Hey everyone, this episode of the Cloudcast is sponsored by PagerDuty. PagerDuty is the hub of your IT operations and ensures that the right folks are alerted at the right time to increase your uptime. PagerDuty's analytics help you identify common problems, allowing you to make system improvements before they impact your customers. Advanced filters and deduplication ensure that only actionable alerts get delivered. No more false alarms at 2 a.m. And now, multiple team members can seamlessly share on-call duty. To sign up for a free 14-day trial, visit pagerduty.com slash the cloudcast. And now, on to the show. Cloudcast Media presents, from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. Uh, well, we're partially in the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh. Uh, Brian is in Raleigh, and I'm actually in Dallas, Texas tonight. Um, as part of the March storms that, that just seem to continue, I don't know if I'm ever leaving Dallas again um, with all the snow and freezing rain and all this other stuff going on. But um, I keep telling you, Brian, just, but just buy a house there. They're cheap. Just buy one and just have it around in case you know you're in in case you're in Dallas. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I might as well at this point. Um, so hey, dude, March March is like is a pretty busy month for us all of a sudden. Um, we, we kind of went from being slack um, to we, we have a whole bunch of shows coming. So just kind of letting everyone know and, and trying to dig into some new topics and technologies as well. Um, and, and what we wanted to do is, is really start with that, some of that tonight. Um, but before we get to our guests, um, wanted to give a big congratulations to the team over at Socketplane. Uh, they were acquired today by Docker. Um, and as many listeners know, we had John Willis on just a couple shows ago. Yeah, um, yeah. Talking about, you know, networking, containers, infrastructure as code, and a lot of things he's passionate about. So so really, you know, really wish Brent and and John and everyone else over there the best of luck and, and certainly congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, big congrats to them and uh, and also um, good friend of the show, Heather, uh, who runs PR or helps PR with Docker. Hopefully she didn't kill Alex Williams for leaking it uh, about 12 hours too early and then pull it <laughs> off. So hopefully that all went good. So, uh, but anyways, let's, let's right. get on to the show because tonight's, tonight's going to be interesting because for one, um, uh, we're, we're fathers of daughters and we don't have enough women on the show. Like we, we engage with tons of super smart women and we don't have enough on the show. So we're going to fix that tonight, at least a little bit. And we don't do a ton around sort of data. Like we do a little bit, but not enough. So I think that's an area that I think we're going to see start exploring a little more here in March and, and kind of going forward as well. Cause it's, it's around everything, whether it's DevOps or ops or apps or whatever. So, uh, so welcome to the show, uh, Robin Bergeron, uh, our favorite Bergeron. Um, welcome to the show tonight. Hi, thank you guys. I'm excited to be here. I haven't done a podcast in a while, so I haven't done one since I started my new job either. So this is going to be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we, well, Aaron knows you from sort of CloudStack days. Um, a lot of folks know you from being heavily involved at Red Hat in the Fedora project and so forth. You've been over at Elasticsearch for, you know, four months, five months or so. Um, give us a little bit of your background. Like, how do you get... Um, I mean, you, you had a pretty, uh, big position in the Fedora project. Um, like give us a little bit of your background and kind of how you got involved with all these big open source projects. Okay. Um, so if we get in our way back machine, we can probably go back to the, um, mid nineties. Uh, 
when I started my illustrious career as a uh, operations person at Motorola and then became a sysadmin at Motorola, um, and this was like AIX and System 5, just to, To date you know, yourself, yeah. Not to date myself, <laughs> although I did a presentation recently and I had a picture of me and all the, the rest of the crew and you could see like the X terminals in the background and like a couple of Windows NT machines. So yeah, it was like sort of dating myself because people in the room were like, I don't even know what that is. And I was like, you weren't even born yet. Oh my God. Anyway, um, I did that for a couple of years. Um, being a sysadmin back then, I think was probably less interesting than it is now like i mean even like cf engine i think got started in like 93 and i think you know we didn't really have the internet i mean we sort of had it but things didn't spread like wildfire around to everybody like they do now so uh i think i did that for about four years and then got bored uh became an industry analyst wrote about servers and systems administration for a uh industry analyst firm uh then went to intel and i basically did forecasting there for several years on whatever processors and all sorts of things, the embedded market. So literally everything but computers like ATM machines and MRI machines and, you know, anything that had a processor, I could tell you what kind of processors were in them and how many of them were Intel and how many were going to ship. Uh, and then I had children. Um, so I took about seven years off and right around year seven, I started, I guess going a little crazy, like, talking to my kids and saying like, where are we going? And doing Dora song all the time, <laughs> which I know is funny to those of us who know Dora and completely lost to everybody who is fortunate enough to have not met Dora. Um, anyway, um, I think the first thing I did was, so my, my significant other, uh, Steve has also been in the Linux world forever, like longer than I have. So, uh, he used to go to the Ottawa Linux Symposium, and this year when I was starting to get a little like itchy to get back in the, the groove of things, um, they needed someone to help edit the papers, which was basically like in latex, and you had to use Fedora because that was where the whole build chain was, and I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. I can still do things, and I totally could still do things, which was like so awesome feeling. Um, and I don't know, in the course of doing that over, like I did that for two separate years, you know, two years of the event in a row. Um, and at some point I wandered onto the Fedora website and was like looking for information about something. I was like, here's how you can join the Fedora project. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah, this is like an open source project. Uh, and, you know, Steve worked at Red Hat at the time. So like I was sort of familiar with Fedora. I was familiar with him, like occasionally yelling at Fedora, things like this. Um, and they had a little thing like, hey, we need help with marketing. And it was like, oh, well, I know how to write. And, you know, I can sort of do systems administration stuff. Like, I know what's going on, but I can write. And finding people in open source land who aren't, like, hardcore technical people that are willing to just be like, hey, I'm just here to write or to, like, do artwork or things like that is sort of rare. Like, at least for them to be able to write and to make something that actually makes sense and matches up with the technologies they're supposed to be writing about. Um, so I did that uh, for about four months. And then people from Red Hat came and said, we hear you don't have a job. Would you like to come work for us? We would love to have you. Um, so I came on as the uh, program manager, which is basically like the whip cracker. Like, this is the date. This is the date. You're past the date. Got to ship it. Got to ship it. Got to ship it. Or you're going to make Robin cry. Nobody wants to make Robin cry. Um, so I did that for several releases of Fedora, which is, you know, six months at a time, usually. Um, just, and, and just, then, yeah. and I have to imagine like just a massive amount of herding cats to get 
you know, uh, uh, to get a Linux release out, I mean, like how many, how many contributors you're talking about or how many branches or like, give us some numbers of what it means to get a, a release oh, of Fedora out. Um, so I guess, you know, for, for people who are not necessarily acquainted all that much with Fedora, Fedora is like, it is the bleeding edge of sort of operating systems development. Um, you know, it's the upstream for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. It is where basically anything that is new that is going to happen sometime in the future in RHEL is going to land first. So this has led a lot of people to sort of like refer to it as like the beta, which always sort of upsets me because, you know, beta sounds like something that's not going to work. And it does work. It works very well. Like people yeah. who, you know, are skeptical and they go and install Fedora now, um, it works really great. Most people sort of remember like Fedora Core 5, like from eight years ago. And, you know, Linux in general didn't work all that well back then. And, and it mostly all works very well now. So you're cat herding Fedora for a while. Yeah, cat herding Fedora. Um, okay, so numbers of changes. Um, and it's really hard to put a number on, you know, number of contributors. And it's, you know, that's, that's an area where I, I, you know, sort of have personal interest, because it always sort of drives me nuts when people only refer to contributions as like, Things that you can count in GitHub because, you know, people like me who did like marketing stuff and wrote things on wikis um, don't really have a lot of GitHub things to point to. Um, it doesn't mean that we're any lesser of contributors because eventually, you know, for some crazy reason, they put me in charge at some point, uh, <laughs> which that we'll get to that part of the story. Um, but, you know, in, in Fedora, like at, for any given release, um, you know, anywhere between like probably Forty and sixty new things landing, and that could be like new languages, like rebasing the you know entire operating system and rebuilding it with like a new version of GCC, um, including new things like whatever OpenStack, Docker. Uh, you know, right now in Fedora, they've got like this whole new Project Atomic stuff, which is you know sort of Red Hat's uh, answer to Core OS, I guess I will say. And I don't I guess I don't have to be a uh, Dancing around the edges. I was going to say, you, you can tell it like yeah, it is now. Yeah, I don't, have to, I don't report to Daddy Shadow Man anymore, so I can see what <laughs> I want. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty churny. Um, having a schedule is really good because it's it sort of lays out for everyone. Like, you know, these are when all of the things need to fall into place. Um, Fedora releases every six months, so the thing is, is like, if you miss the deadline... Um, it's only going to be another six months. Like it's not going to be like five years. Um, so we don't really, you know, unless there's something like terrible, like it won't build or something like this or some critical, critical, like super critical thing goes wrong. Um, we don't hold up for, you know, it's not feature based. It's time based. So yeah. it ships every six months and, um, you know, you got to have a really well oiled machine, you know, and it's the same with OpenStack. I mean, literally, it, you know, they, they ship every six months and, you know, Terry's got that down to absolute science over there as far as, you know, how the release process goes. Um, and it's, you know, always a, a, a work in progress. You know, you're continually learning, but, you know, that's how the best of communities do things. So, so yeah, so eventually they, they let me be in charge. Um, it's not an elected position being the Fedora project leader. It's just uh, a Red Hat appointed position, but they, you know, aren't going to appoint someone that everybody hates. So I did that for two and a half years and I think that's I was one month short of the record yeah it's, it's sort of a I don't want to say it's a burnout job but it's sort of a burnout job uh, one of my goals in leaving was to leave it in better shape and with much more help than it had when I came in and so I'm very happy to say that like 
you know, the job that was mine, which was like everything is now like the job of like five people um, split up all amongst them. So my hope is that the next Fedora project leader, Matthew Miller, who I'm sure would love to be on your show sometime because he used to do the Fedora Cloud stuff, um, will be in there for years and years and years and totally happy and, you know, smiling and, and giggling all the time. Let's talk about Elasticsearch then. So kind of flipping, you know, changing gears here for a second. So, Robin, at its core, what does Elasticsearch do? Okay, so Elasticsearch is, and you know, there, there's some, there's some fuzziness here because people sort of uh, mix up Elasticsearch with the Elk stack. So I will talk about just the E in the Elk stack, which is Elasticsearch, which is the thing you're asking me about. But just, just so we're clear, um, it is a distributed search engine. Um, if you have lots and lots and doc, lots of documents, if you have lots and lots of data, um, you can search them. It's, you know, real time or very, very much uh, approaching almost real time uh, search. So, you know, things go in, you can start looking at them, you can start, you know, extracting data, information, uh, whatever you want out of there. It supports things like geolocation. So if you have people who are, you know, whatever, tweeting from a certain place on the earth, um, you know, these are all different kinds of uh, bits of data that you can wind up aggregating and searching for and, and things like this, um, which I know sounds sort of like, ooh, it's sort of like big data. And, you know, in some ways it is. It's, it's uh, based on Apache Lucene, um, which, you know, is a, a lovely product over the Apache Software Foundation where we all have friends, right? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and people really like it. And this is the funny thing about my new job, actually, is that. I go, you know, I've been to a lot of shows and, you know, I was in Fedora. Um, I'm sure you guys have maybe heard about this thing called System D, which has been giving people um, heartburn for several years now. And uh, so that, that was like my previous, like, open source experience where, you know, I'd see people and they're like, oh, hey, let me ask you about this. And now they're like, Elasticsearch, we love you guys. It's amazing. You guys are fabulous. <laughs> it's like, really? And <laughs> well, and I and I think that I think the simplest way to to kind of realize that for anybody who who doesn't maybe live in the Elasticsearch places, go do a this is terrible it's like Inception, but go do like a go do like a Twitter search on Elasticsearch, and all you see is nothing but people going, "I love the product," and here's the nine trillion plugins that plugs into every one of my applications, and it's just nothing but like plugs into this, plugs into this, I love this, plugs into this, plugs into this. Here's how I use it. That's got to be kind of cool to go to a, yeah. like one of these communities where everyone just, I mean, at some point they want more, but that's kind of be kind of cool as a, you know, yeah, it's, community it's, person. It's, it's almost mind blowing in some ways. And I, I think certainly humbling just to sort of, you know, every once in a while I'll go like, wow, people really like us. Like I've seen, uh, you know, people will, you know, do surveys and put like words in charts about like what's the most popular thing or what people are talking about most. And, you know, most of them basically look like there's a bunch of words. And like in the middle is this gigantic word that says Docker. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. like all the other fonts are like, you know, we're the next font and it's like half as big as Docker. And then there'll be a couple other like, you know, things, so, you know, like spark or ansible or, you know, whatever things like this. And then there's like everything else. Like, I mean, including things like OpenStack, which, you know, I, I had been under the impression that this was like the biggest thing or at least biggest buzzword since sliced bread. And, you know, when you look at like popularity and things like that, like, you know, to be like, we're behind Docker is, you know, consistently like the next thing behind Docker is like crazy. That's because what you, that's they're, what you, they're very big. 
That's what you should put on your on your business card or or like your your profile, like Elasticsearch, the font just below Docker. Right. <laughs> if you're searching for us, just search under Docker. That's right. Now, what are some of the like you were talking about all these kind of applications and plugins and stuff like that? What are some of the the biggest use cases in some of the well-known applications? Um, and I'll I'll add this real quick though. The first time I ever came across it was um, so Triangle DevOps that Brian and I, I go to here in in, ah, yes, in Raleigh. Um, I forget the I forget the actual user though, but it was the dude that spoke there. Um, I don't I think you were there, Brian. And Wiki, um, yes, the Wikimedia. Yes. Yes. yes, and yes. and he was the he was the first one where he was like love it, use it all the time. It's based off of I mean he was and he was the, he great he gave a really really great presentation and and said a lot of great things about y'all and and kind of went through some of the use cases. But but to kind of go back to it, yeah, what are some of the kind of popular uses and applications? Um, actually, I have a a, a slightly funny story. Um, I was at uh, the Southern California Linux Expo, I guess it was last weekend, weekend before, which is, you know, probably the biggest community Linux conference in the country. And someone came up to, you know, our booth and they were making a joke about how uh, there was a new GitHub uh, Twitter feed that was basically like, uh, searching all of the new commits that people, you know, make in uh, GitHub and looking for like cuss words. And then they would tweet them out and then they would find the person who did it. And then they would tweet to them like, do you talk to your mother with that mouth? Which I thought was hilarious. I was like, God, I wonder if there's a way we could make a graph with that. And if we could connect somehow to the GitHub API. And the answer I got was, well, we, GitHub uses us. Like when you search for things in GitHub, it uses Elasticsearch. And I was like, oh, so yeah, I guess we we could probably do that. <laughs> like if they're doing it, like certainly certainly we could. It was like, wow, well, I, I guess I, I knew that, but it didn't really strike me until I'm over like, wow, GitHub uses us. Um, you know, you're talking about uh Wikimedia just now, um, Yelp. You know, and those are sort of like the the tangible things that people, you know, are familiar with that are like really cool, like GitHub and you know, people use it so they, they have some sort of idea. Like when I say like, oh, the USGS is using it, that's sort of cool, like scientifically, but not quite as easily tangible for those of us who are in the tech world. So, so sort, sort of dumb question, and, and <clears throat> like, so you guys, you guys do real time search, or at least Elasticsearch, that that part of the Elk Stack does real time search. I, I mean, a lot of it, like I'm trying to think of things. So, like, you know, Yelp, as I'm doing things, is is giving me new updates and changing what's on the screen, and you know, you become yep. you become addicted to the you know just like the Google search engine where it's filling in words for. I mean, like. Is that become the new norm? I mean, do do people put up with long search strings anymore, or is, I mean, are you guys kind of just delivering for everybody else what Google does in my Chrome browser? Is that a fair kind of assessment of what people expect these days from search? Um, or is that too too generic, too narrow? I think you know probably for the the basic user, yes. Like I think most people are used to like looking for things and finding it immediately, and you know, I mean, I know even at uh, my former employer, um, you know, we had a internal searching, whatever. It was like a Google appliance, I think. And try to search with that internally and like you couldn't find anything. And, and everyone would be like, oh, my God, why can't I find anything? Because, you know, like 20 years ago, we wouldn't have complained about not being able to find anything. That was just life. But now we have Google in the rest of our lives. So it just seems ridiculous that we wouldn't be able to find something. So um, I think people are sort of – uh whatever they're they're used to being able to find these things immediately and i think uh you know when this is sort of you know for example like 
people are using it internally at, you know, various places just to like, whatever, find documents inside your place or find the, you know, strings of words inside documents, you know, PDFs, whatever. Um, and, you know, just making people happy is something that makes, you know, the developers happy and, uh, and then they, they like us. So, um, I think there's a, a nice circle of love there because when, when your users are pleased, then, you know, our users are pleased basically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Now let me ask you this. So, because we've kind of mentioned it a few times, but I don't know that for those not familiar with it, what is this, you know, stack where we, we're calling the elk stack here, it's, it's Elasticsearch, it's Logstash, it's Gabbana, but like, yes. how does that fit together and what does it all do? Okay. So, um, Logstash and Logstash was actually the the first thing that that I was sort of familiarized with before you know Elasticsearch even and it is a project that was run by Jordan Sissel who's now one of our lovely employees at Elasticsearch um, and it's basically a way to uh, collect different kinds of logs from different places and you know you can transform them into uh, different kinds of outputs it basically is like a almost like a translator. You can have different inputs, you can have different outputs, and what the elk stack sort of is, is uh, if you have logs of whatever, you can have things like logs of, if you want to think about a Twitter feed or a Twitter stream as being logs of Twitter, like you can ingest that into Logstash and turn it into a Elasticsearch output, which will, you know, basically ship all this information into Logstash and make things searchable. Um, and, you know, when you have a gazillion different types of data from, from lots and lots of places, um, you know, being able to search that and correlate it and, you know, match up different events together um, that you might not have seen before is pretty powerful. Um, but yeah, people, there's tons of people who just use standalone log stash to just deal with their logs. Um, one of the interesting things that I've found is that uh, like the elk stack and, you know, Elasticsearch as a whole, and we'll talk about Kibana in a second. Um, a lot of, you know, we talk about DevOps, and I don't want to get all totally cliche with, like, the dev versus the ops and the finger pointing. Um, but I think that still exists in a lot of places. And the fact that you've got a bunch of ops people who are like, I really like this log stash thing. And then a bunch of developers who are like, dude, we have this, like, real-time search stuff, and we can do all these things. And then they, they talk to each other and like, wait, we, we like the same thing? This is so weird. This never happens. And, but it winds up being, like, a bonding point for these two, you know, different sides of the organization. And I know we always say, like, you know, DevOps isn't tools, but I think it's an interesting example of how it can sort of be, like, the the thing that brings two, two groups together and actually, like, gets them to have a conversation and, and gets them to start having that empathy that you need to have to have, like, a really good uh, DevOps-practicing organization, uh, for lack of a better cheesy word. Um, anyway. Now, 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 kind of, now, kind of following up on that, I mean, it, do you find that you like, a, I don't know, a certain type of group um, picks up these tools faster than others? I mean, like, um, you know, so having, having for example, like a log stash, like a logging tool that can kind of take anything, it's in text format, it's in JSON, it's in XML, it's in whatever it is, and and do cool stuff with that, like, that's sort of powerful right out of the bat, like that every, that should be in everybody's toolbox. Like, do you find the ops folks tend to use these more frequently or is, is some of them more ops focused and some are great for building applications on top or is it just this sort of mixed community and they're all just figuring out different cool uses for the stack and the different tools? I, I think I think it's a lot of mixed community and people are coming up with new and creative ways to do all sorts of stuff all the time. Um, even with like, 
so Cabana, I guess the the third item in the the elk stack is a uh, makes things viewable, right? It's a yep. It's a it's a word that is escaping me. God, I'm sorry. Visual, visualization, like data visualization, or yes, thank you, God. Like I'm, I'll someday I'll tell you the story about how I had an interview once to be a sysadmin, and they were like, "How do you shut down a machine?" And I could not remember the word "shut down," uh, <laughs> which was really completely mortifying. Anyway, all right. So, Kamana is a like a analytics and visualization platform. Uh, basically, it means that it can make awesome graphs. You know, it'll take things straight out of Elasticsearch that you have fed into it with Logstash or, you know, wherever else you've got information coming from. And, you know, you can start doing things like, uh, you know, correlating. I think I gave the example earlier of, like, where are these tweets coming from? Are they coming in from, like, different places around the world? Um, where are, like, these Apache logs coming from? How can we slice them and dice them by what kinds of, you know, the people who are in South America? How many of them are looking at this on their Android phones? And how many of those Android phones or whatever, you know, coming from this country or from Verizon or whatever they use down there? Uh, things like that, um, which, you know, is powerful. You know, it can be powerful for the ops folks, you know, if they're using it as... More of like a something similar to like Nagios, right? Where you know mm -hmm. you're keeping track of of what you've got going on and what things are up and what things are down, what what's broken and you know who's who's got pager duty this week, etc. Um, but also, you know, if you are someone on the the business side of the house, right? Um, digging deeper and deeper and deeper into your data and being able to get that data quicker than you know anybody else, especially your competitors. Um, really gives people a competitive edge. And, you know, we are sort of in this on-demand society now where you can go into your phone and, like, get an app in, like, three seconds. So people are very happy with, you know, the ability, you know, in Kibana to basically just, like, you know, you want a new visualization of something? Here we can add it really quick. And, you know, this is another thing where you can start, you know, paying attention or playing with, you know, how the data works and discover new things. And, you know, the discoverability of stuff is is really... I think it's a powerful thing. And, you know, when we talk about DevOps, you know, I think, uh, you know, especially like in, in the Phoenix project, right? Like eventually the goal, what you really want to get to is like, it's not just like that the dev and the ops folks are better, but like the value they're adding to the whole business. And when you can add this, you know, like real time information and you can get stuff and you can make our business better with this better information kind of stuff. Um, that's like huge. Like then people start loving the IT department instead of hating the IT department. Yeah, so, it's, it's, well, plus it's good for transparency. Like when you can see it, you know, some people yeah. are visual and some people are, you know, numbers and it's, it's good to sort of see it both ways. Yeah, now, it is. Cause there, there's sometimes there's just things like, you know, when you're just staring at a sea of numbers, I know at least for me, like if there was some weird anomaly, I, you know, it'd be right over my head, but when you can actually see things going on, it's it, completely different. Yeah. So we were gonna we were gonna we were gonna hit you up about kind of trying to figure out the difference between Linux folks and data and data science folks, but you've only been there for a couple of months. Let's let's talk about let's talk about um, like what you guys have going on next week because it's there's a big event. Uh, you guys are doing. I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. Is it is it Elasticon or like Elastic on? Like you guys are doing it's your a, first big conference, right? Yes, Elasticon is. Okay. It, it, it's not Elastic on. Um, <laughs> it's Elasticon, although I will tell you, like having to type that with the curly braces, like especially uh, if I'm, you know, tweeting or something, man, that's 
That's hard sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> so I was, uh, yes, uh, so it, I was, it is a user conference. Yeah. So I, like I was looking through the agenda and I was like, okay, you know, you go, you go to it and it's like, okay, here's all the smart people are going to be talking. And you look at the agenda and all of a sudden, like the very first topic is like how to cure cancer. And then there's one in there like, let's dig into your FICO scores. Like th th this is, th there's some pretty serious issues that are being fixed by some of the technologies you guys work on, right? I mean, like yeah. the people that are talking about it, like that's, that's pretty powerful, especially if it's your first show. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we've got, we've got tons of users. I mean, if you go on our, whatever, I think it's our corporate blog, there's all sorts of, you know, whatever, the traditional like use case stories and things like that of the amazing and cool things. And there are lots of amazing and cool things that our customers are doing, but you know, lots of them are, are detailed there. Um, but yeah, the conference is sort of like, it's a mix of, you know, and we, like we have every, every single developer we have is going to be there. So like you want to talk to someone, you want to learn something, they're going to be there. Cool. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, here's sort of like the state of each of the communities, right? Like here's what's going on in like just the Elasticsearch community and the, the Logstash and the Kavana community. Uh, there's even stuff in there about like, you know, if you're really into it, like what's going on in the Lucene community, since that's sort of one of the underpinnings of Elasticsearch. Um, and you know, like how to do different things with each of these tools, which is great. And this is, you know, sort of what goes on at every conference. But I also find that, you know, most conferences I go to, like the most interesting stuff you see is stuff that is not actually from the company that is hosting the conference at all. It's yeah. seeing how other people are actually using it. And I don't know if it's because it's like, I actually trust this person because they don't work for the company and they're not just like trying to sell something to me. But, you know, especially when it's something cool, like, um, like seeing GitHub talk about how they're they're using stuff or, you know, watching the folks from Netflix. Like that's always just like, wow, tell me more about how you get House of Cards on my television so that I can binge watch it along with everybody else last weekend, like, you know, right. for 18 hours straight. Um, and you just start thinking about like, wow, and they use all these different pieces of technology and somehow it still gets to me and it's, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time there and reliable. Well, um, and, and that's also and that's also the beauty of stuff that's that's kind of open source based because you you run into people who go I didn't know if it could do this but I messed around with it for a while and I tweaked it and it and it worked it it may not be perfect but it worked like that's kind of the other beauty of the difference between your your community driving stuff and the the company code sort of telling you what you should do with the product or the the project or something. Yeah, and you know I think the number of people who are happy to, you know, you, you gave the example of, of uh, our friend from Wikimedia, you know, talking about that at Triangle DevOps, uh, the number of people who come to meetups and we have meetups everywhere. I mean, it's sort of mind blowing because, you know, the Linux community doesn't really have meetups anymore. There used to be Unix or Linux user groups. And those have sort of, I, I think they're, they're very small in comparison at this point when you, you know, I went to a Elasticsearch meetup in Phoenix. I live in Phoenix. Um, people don't really go to meetups here because half the year it's just too hot and miserable, and the other half of the year you, you're still driving in like an hour of to get to the other side of town. Uh, and like 90 people showed up at the GoDaddy offices in North Scottsdale uh, to hear people talking about, you know, other folks talking about Elasticsearch, which was just like, I've never seen 90 people like for anything in Phoenix from the technology community, like ever, like even in offices, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. So. Yeah, people. Um, yeah, I just lost what I was talking about. No, that's good. That's good. No, that's, that's, that's cool. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this real this, quick, Robin. They ramble off into nowhere, just like I do. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's that's what we do this time of night all the time. It's it's all yeah. Right. Yeah, I started. So the whole conference. So, Robin, thing. 
busy. Yeah. So your 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 title is is kind of ops evangelist. Um, but but we've also noticed you have developer programs as well. And, and so, um, do you like you personally in your role? Um, do you do you approach this as like application centric data? Do you look for operation centric data? Like, how does the developer programs get involved? Like, tell us a little bit, you know, at a lower level, what your your kind of day-to-day is like. Okay. So, I guess, uh, first and foremost, so I, I was originally a, a developer evangelist, um, and I actually had a conversation with uh, James Waters over at, uh, whatever, Pivotal slash Cloud Foundry, that whole, um, not quite a marriage, because I know Cloud Foundry is a project, um, but yeah, talking to him and just sort of relaying, like, you know, I was never a developer, right? Like, I was always an ops person, and, like, when I go to all these events, like, I'm always talking to ops people. Like, you know, I just relate to them better. Not that I don't love developers. I mean, I live with one, and, uh, you know, that is sometimes, you know, volatile in itself. He works on He's an OpenStack developer, so Uh-oh. we sort of have empathy discussions at home sometimes, where I'm like, what are you doing? Anyway... I ask Aaron uh, that all the time about his OpenStack projects. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we. Um, I, I was like, you know, I should just call myself an opt evangelist because that's, you know, sort of the thing that I love and the people that I talk to and, you know, the, the stuff that I don't want to say it interests me more than developer stuff, but it's really more, it's where I'm more familiar and where I, you know, feel like a lot of times there's not as much love and, and you know it's pretty apparent by the fact that if you get on the internet and look for developer evangelists they're everywhere and i'm pretty sure i may be the only ops evangelist on earth um which is sort of frightening really because you know, people should love the ops folks more so um yeah so i guess that's that's the sort of the background about that um I wouldn't say that it's you know necessarily divorced from the developer stuff in any way. I think it's more just uh, making sure that there are different points of view brought inside you know you know inside Elasticsearch and that we're you know making sure that our messaging outward is not necessarily like just focused on developers because that's I think at least you know from my point of view having been there for four months I think it's been focused a little bit more there. Um, but I think that you know stuff like Logstash has a pretty good like bunch of community love and the people who are already using that and then sort of discovering like, Oh, there's these other things and I can do things with them. This is interesting. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. So, um, that's sort of been, you know, where I'm going. Um, Leslie Hawthorne, who was on the OSI board and, you know, was from Google summer of code, uh, origins, um, is my lovely boss. So she, uh, knows that I just, sort of I, I'm a person who likes to go and find things to do and then just get them done so um, yeah I'm still sort of developing a, what's getting done I guess um, some of it's been you know just like blogging about the events that I'm going to and just trying to get a feel for you know what are sort of the projects that people are using us fairly often with um, you know what are the issues that people have right now and then try to figure out how to get that back into a back into, you know, each of the individual communities so that they, they can have different points of view. Um, been working a lot with uh, our project managers internally because uh, we've had some a lot of requests to make uh, things like our uh, roadmaps more public, um, which, you know, they've always been in GitHub, but it's sort of like with tags and milestones, like, you know, it's very, like, impossible unless, you know, you want to spend a lot of time figuring it out. So, um uh, 
I gave some advice and, you know, our, one of our awesome, awesome project managers who I just adore because she gets open source, um, and gets community, which is just fabulous. Um, has actually worked really hard to, you know, sort of start sharing the stuff with the, with the Logstash community or not even share it, but just like make it more transparent and obvious. Like here are the big themes that we're going to be focusing on for the next release of Logstash. And, you know, then saying like, does this make sense to everyone? Because if it doesn't, then we'll figure out a different way to present it to you guys. But, you know, if we don't share that with them, then it's, then the community doesn't feel like they can get in and, you know, say like, dude, why are you going that way? That's a terrible way to go. Like, you should be going somewhere else. Like, you can't even get that feedback if they don't see what's going on. So I think it's just part of having a much healthier open source project. Um, I think Logstash was already a very healthy open source project. I think a lot of that is just sort of Jordan's uh, worldview of, you know, how to take care of members of the community. But I think this will make it um, a lot better and a lot more inviting for people because a lot of folks just are like, what's going on? I can't tell. And it's like, yeah, we'll get there. We'll tell you. We'll tell you. And, you know, finally it was like, okay, we just need to do this. And so I'm. that was actually something that, that came out this week. If you go and look on the blog, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff there about what's coming in the future of Logstash and, you know, how to look at it on GitHub. So cool stuff like that. Um you know, I, I spent a lot of time at Red Hat and, you know, especially as Ed working on something that was the upstream for, um, you know, I guess people can argue as to how popular, you know, Red Hat's really all that popular, but you can't argue with the fact that, you know, RHEL makes like a billion dollars a year. Yeah. And I was running the upstream for that. So, you know, keeping that healthy is something that's sort of important. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be like, I'm an authority on these things, but, you know, most people... Like everybody who's ever worked on an open source anything already has a job. So most people who are coming into open source are like new to it. And so there's still lots of questions like, how do you make money when you give stuff away for free? Uh, things like this. So, you know, just sort of helping people get educated, like as they walk in the door um, and making sure that they have a good understanding of just, you know, how this stuff works or what we can be doing better. Um, is important to me because it, it helped us have a better relationship with the community and when the community is happy then we're happy and so long as that, that circle of life is good and we continue to have you know lots of developers working on the product so they can fix things that means we make money which is key to you know <laughs> at a startup because I would love for us to you know get bought or go public or you know whatever and you know I think it's given its popularity I don't see that as like a crazy unheard of thing but i also don't I, i'm also not kidding hopes of the universe on it because i lived through the early 2000s i know how these things <laughs> no yeah. that's no that's that's cool I, and hey there's nothing wrong with with being aligned to the to the ops teams i mean those guys those guys and gals and teams and groups like they keep everything running they've got hard problems to solve and yeah. like you know i mean it's right everybody loves the app everybody kind of gets it but it's like you know, it's a little bit like, you know, when, I don't know, when, when things don't work, you know, the, the, the best operations in the world are the ones where it's like, I don't even think about it. And it just runs all the time and I don't think about yep. it, but, but they've got super hard problems to solve. So it's good that it's good that folks are, are focusing on them as much as they are, you know, whatever the next, you know, popular language is or framework or, or whatever it is. So no, that's yeah. good. Well, listen, Docker, 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 Docker. Docker. Yeah, the, the the next the next the next font down from Docker. There you go. You yes. got Docker and the next font down. There you go. That's you guys. So we want to be conscious of your time because we know uh, you've got some things you've got to get to. And um, but thank you so much for coming on. This was cool. It's it's good to 
not only kind of dig into some technologies that Aaron and I aren't super familiar with, but to kind of understand what it's like to live with the open source communities, kind of make things happen there, get stuff out, deal with a lot of the uncertainty. And um, so that was very cool. It was, it was fun to sort of learn about that. I, I'm, I'm glad you came on. Um, Aaron, you want to sort of, actually real quick, Robin, where's, if folks want to, you know, find out where you're at, kind of want to engage with you at events and stuff, what's the best way to reach out to you? Um, Twitter is usually a pretty good place. I'm at Robin Bergeron. Um, I don't know if you guys spell we'll put, that out. Anywhere. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, or, you know, email, it's just first name dot last name at Gmail. Um, Twitter's usually a pretty good place to, you know, give me a shout out or, you know, if I'm someplace and you're there, like, I'm totally happy to talk to anyone and hear their problems, their woes, you know, have a drink, uh, have a soda, whatever. Um, cause you know, I, I think the best way that I learn and help other people out is like just by listening and then connecting, you know, those people and those ideas with other people and their ideas and then letting those people make magic while I move on to the next thing. Very cool. Very cool. Well, listen, um, Aaron, you want to uh, wrap it up and take us home? Yeah, absolutely. If you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at the cloudcastnet or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Mm -hmm.